On today's show, we start by talking about some news and notes around Leafland, including the latest report about Tyler Bertuzzi and his potential long-term future here in Toronto. Could it work cap-wise? We'll chat about that and more on today's edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co-host, Dave Morissuti. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to thebirddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL or enter promo code LockedOnNHL for a free white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. Uh, get a free water bottle with any purchase right now. That is the promo over at Bird ducks. Uh, what's going on, Dave? How was your uh, your long, long weekend there? Labor Day in the bag, and it's like the unofficial end of summer now. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say the summer's ending when the when it's getting darker outside. Later, you know, earlier as the evening goes along, so you know you're getting closer to the to the sports, more sports returning. Let's just say we got NFL football coming up. Did a did a NFL draft this weekend. Oh, Feel yeah. okay about my team. I got two more drafts. I'm in three leagues. I I cut myself out of four leagues like I did last year. Way too many leagues. Dude, you're telling me for the first time I actually think I I overwhelmed myself with with five. I got a buddy who's in like twelve yeah. leagues. I don't know how he does it, but yeah, I, I somehow got roped into five. I usually do like two or three. Five is just, I've been doing drafts like every single day. It's insane. The other day I was at a bonfire and I was sitting there and unfortunately I had to be very unsocial at this fire with my laptop and I'm drafting away as everyone's having a good time. It's uh, it's it's fun though. Uh, it does mean that sports are, are getting close. Hockey is getting close. We're finally in the month where hockey starts back up. Just a couple more weeks and uh, before we know it, Training camp will be here, and uh, the boys of blue will be back on the ice. Uh, speaking of, let's get to some of the news and notes uh, from the Maple Leafs in uh, over the course of the weekend that we have been away. Um, th- this was an interesting story, Dave, that that kind of came out the other day, how the Buffalo Sabres, and this isn't the first time that we've seen teams try to do this, but the Buffalo Sabres apparently going to try and, and limit teams from buying tickets outside of uh, of the Buffalo zip code, and that's mainly to try and limit Maple Leaf fans making it uh, a home game. What did you make of this report, and how successful do you think they're going to be? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we saw that happen last year with Florida in the playoffs. All of a sudden now, they didn't want Leafs fans in Florida, so they gave Florida fans the first opportunity. So I, I think... Uh, the team it was the team's vice president that said that there were a handful of games where the wrong color jersey uh wrong color were coming to the building so i think uh it was Leafs fans it was habs fans basically canadian hockey fans um yeah. 
how successful they'd be. Well, let's not forget there's quite a few Leafs fans that do live in Buffalo. So, I mean, I don't know if it's going to have the same impacts they believe it's going to have. And like, there's going to be more Sabres fans now because the Sabres are actually improving. Like in past years, the Sabres were God terrible and they didn't want to. They just said, we're just going to go make money off Leaf fans and want to see their team play. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Here's here's another thing, too. Like I'm I'm from Niagara Falls, right, which is just a, a rock's throw away from from Buffalo. Quick 25 minute drive down the QEW and I'm in Buffalo. There are a lot of Sabres fans here, but what a lot of them do a lot of them who have season tickets, I might add, a lot of season ticket holders from Niagara Falls. But what a lot of these people do is they sell that Leaf ticket. So, yes, they're season ticket owners of the Sabres, but they sell that Leaf ticket because they can make so much money of back, essentially, um, that they otherwise can't do if, like, Carolina's in town the Coyotes are in town or Philly or whoever it may be. So they recoup some of those costs by selling tickets to Leaf fans or to have fans or to whatever road team who's coming in. Right. So that's the problem where you're, you're always going to have the opposite fan base coming in. And with Toronto, you know, people, it's still way cheaper to buy Sabres tickets secondhand um, to go to a Leafs game than it would be to pop up to uh to old scotia bank arena and try and see them on home ice it's, it's always going to be cheaper so you know you, you have a lot of leaf fans willing to buy up those sabers tickets so good luck i mean sure i guess sabers they want to try and sell it to the home crowd um you know from you know on on the website or whatever all right fine but how can they limit selling on the secondary and tertiary markets to leaf fans who are willing to buy and spend up to go watch that game down in Buffalo, right? That That's where this is going to definitely hit a snag, and it's still going to feel like a, you know, a home game potentially for Toronto, at least the 50-50. I mean, you were there for the game where, uh, what, Mitch Marner, Ryan O'Reilly had the hat trick when yeah. Marner, O'Reilly, O'Reilly and uh, Tavares were put together for the first time. And you remember you told me, you were like, yeah, it's probably like 60-40 Leaf fans that night. Yeah, I would say six. Even yeah, sixty four is probably the best ratio. I would say like it, it's clear there were more Leafs fans, but there were there were Sabres fans. Like this, like I don't know if they like. I understand you want to make sure that the majority is your own built your own crowd, but like I I don't think that's gonna be possible. Like with when you have a team that close, right? Ottawa's had that problem. Like so many teams, if you're within, if you're close to the Leafs border you're you're gonna see a lot of these fans it's just it's an inevitability uh speaking of buffalo there's a a guy who's from there native of buffalo and there's been some news around his future of late and uh it's patrick kane i've seen a couple people message me or they're posting on twitter suggesting that patrick kane to toronto might be a good fit and are asking me if i know anything about this anything about the reports. I, I don't know if maybe I was just kind of off my phone for the long weekend or what, but have you seen anything about Patrick Kane and Toronto maybe having some mutual interests? I saw someone on Twitter DM me and, and, you know, wanted to talk about the Kane to Toronto reports. If there was any merit to it, he was linking, you know, his relationship with Max Domi from last year. Um, the fact that, you know, Kane and Marner have, 
uh, you know, London Knights ties, obviously Kane and Matthews, the American ties, and was just trying to basically force feed a narrative where that would work. I haven't seen anyone suggesting that Patrick Kane, who I might add is injured and won't be playing for the first few months of the season, regardless, even if he is to sign in Toronto. Um, but have you seen anything on this or is this kind of just fan fiction at this point? I think this is a little bit of fan fiction. Like, I don't think Patrick Kane really has any idea where he's playing next year. I don't think. And, and like, I don't see the rush. The guy is coming off hip surgery, right? Like the, those, those types of uh, injuries and, and surgeries take so long to get yourself right. And it, it will impact how he plays this year. It, you know, luckily he's had the off season to really focus on the rehab. Right. So, like for me, I like I understand why there would be a desire to have Patrick Kane because we know the pedigree that he can play with. I'm just like, you have to go through how much does he want and who are you moving right off the roster to make that work, right? The Leafs don't exactly, and we're going to get into the cap structure here, like they don't exactly have the ability to just bring in anybody they want. They're, like There has to be some you know, serious uh, movement to get him to even work on this roster. And Patrick Kane, last year after getting traded to the Rangers, ended up with 12 points in 19 games and then had uh, yeah, they have six points through seven playoff games. So a little bit of juice, but still definitely uh, fell off last year. 36 points in like 60 63 games would have been uh, his totals from last year. So certainly fell off a little bit. Uh, it's been a while since he's been a, uh, or I guess it's been, well, last year he's a point per game player. But this year, just down to, oh, sorry, that was looking at assists. He had 57 points in 63 games. So he's still, you know, still putting up points and whatnot, still can be an effective player. I'd be curious what a deal would look like for Patrick Kane, though, coming in midseason. You know, not knowing exactly what he's going to have left in the tank after this hip surgery. Is he just looking to latch onto a team to win one more Stanley Cup? Would he take a hit and just try and play this season out on league minimum? Would he be looking for, you know, a top dollar deal? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, with Patrick Kane. I also saw maybe Detroit was a team he was kind of circling as a little reunion with uh, DeBrincat. I think somebody was writing about. So it sounds like there's a lot of smoke about him joining the Atlantic division. Uh, Buffalo obviously could be another option. He's from there. Potentially they're a team that's looking to, you know, take that next step. But I'm sure adding Patrick Kane to the mix would be something that uh, would probably help in that regard. Uh, really quickly, one more player um, who is out there in free agency, still looking for somewhere to play next year is former Maple Leaf Phil Kessel wants to continue his career. Do you, like, how do you think this plays out? Because he was a player last year, played all 82 games in the regular season. He's currently the Ironman leader in the NHL. Um, and we've seen how that can kind of be a deterrent from some teams. That kind of was the reason why Yandel wasn't necessarily as uh, a guy that was heavily pursued in his final couple years in the NHL. You think we could see the same situation with Phil Kessel where, you know, just the threat of being that team or that coach to end that Ironman streak could maybe make him look like 
I don't want to say damaged goods. That's not the proper term. We maybe be a little weary about signing that guy just for the possible bad press that that could bring along with it. Or I think Phil Kessel honestly doesn't really care about the the streak anymore and would just rather continue to play hockey, even if it's, you know, night on the ice and then a couple nights up in the press box. Yeah, I, I think I don't think he cares about the streak anymore. Like he made that clear. I think when he spoke to Elliot uh, Friedman is just like, I think he understands that at his age, he's not exactly, you know, in a position to really dictate how much he should be playing at this point. Right. Like I don't like he only played four games for Vegas in the playoffs. Yeah. Like he technically if the Ironman shriek went into the playoffs, that Ironman shriek would have been over a long time yeah. ago. Right. But so I, I do think that when it comes to his Ironman streak, I don't think he cares too much about that anymore. Cause in a way I think he's already, he's already established the record. It's done. I don't think many players are going to catch up to that anymore, honestly. Right. So I don't think Kessel needs to really worry about padding that Ironman streak anymore. And the thing is with, with, with Kessel, it's like, we don't know what type of player he is anymore. Right. Cause like we know that Aaron Arizona, it wasn't the best situation for him as an offensive player. And his numbers took a dip with Vegas. He tried to go there on a cheap deal to just be a secondary score. Didn't perform terribly, but at the same time, this is not the same Phil Kessel that, you know, went to the, went to the penguins and won, you know, his, the two cups there and was part of a pretty good, you know, secondary scoring option. Like I had 92 points in Pittsburgh. We're yeah. not going to see that from Phil Castle anymore. I don't think like yeah. unless a team puts some, you know, power play first line, like, but they're not going to do that. He's 35 years old. He's not, you know, I hate to say this too. And people know this Phil Kessel's not exactly the, the beaming example of being in peak physical shape. <laughs> God, well, like I, I love Phil for being able to get dude. himself ready for the season without even trying, but it's not that's not going to be conducive to where the NHL is going anymore. My favorite Phil Kessel story that I've ever heard: Pete Holland, um, who actually recently signed a PTO with the Colorado Avalanche. So congrats to him, former Maple Leaf. Um, I was doing a Leafs lunch show with him the one day, and he was telling a story about Phil Kessel, and he was saying that. Uh, he was just like a character, just one of the funniest guys, um, like a dude who, you know, was a perennial 30 goal scorer. And pretty much throughout that time with the Maple Leafs, one of the only guys who actually put the puck in the back of the net for the for the Leafs. And I remember he he was telling me that the one night he went out on the ice and he would be going skating and take his first shot on net. And if he felt like he didn't have it that night, he would know by the first shift He would come to the bench. And in the old Phil Kessel voice, he'd say, sorry, guys, just not going in tonight. I don't got it. You guys got to score tonight. It's not going to come off my stick. Apparently, every game, whenever he fell, uh, his first shot just wasn't good, didn't have the juice. He would come back and he would just say, nope, not my night. Someone else got to pick up the slack. So I, I thought that was a really funny story. It's also the story about how, like, the one time um, – uh, was it Ron Wilson, I want to say? Apparently, like, banned – coca-cola or something in the locker room and he was like i'll quit he's like yeah that's not happening i will quit i will retire that's not happening i'll be drinking 
Coke while we're in the locker room. I don't think so. So yeah, he was uh he was a, a a funny fella when he was here in Toronto, that's for sure. And a good character. He's always been a good locker room guy as well. So it'd be nice to see Phil continue his career. Uh he's not the Kessel that he once was, that perennial 30 goal scorer. Um, but I think he could still play and help and be a good locker room presence. Um, I know that he was for for Vegas throughout the the cup final. I mean, there was even the story in the cup final this year where apparently Kessel hates flying, like just absolutely hates it. So when they boarded the plane to go and play game five, um, he was like, I swear to God, guys, if I get on this plane, have to come all the way back to play in Vegas. I'm going to be so pissed off with you guys that uh, gave uh, the Golden Knights a little extra motivation to win that game so that they didn't have to go back uh, home on the plane to play another game. So Phil didn't have to do that. So thought that was kind of funny. So hopefully he does continue his career. Um, we'll see where that is. Uh, at some point, maybe he'll end up with uh, a PTO and he'll get a look here and, and get into training camp. Um, there was also some news about Tyler Bertuzzi and how apparently the Maple Leafs and him before signing the one-year deal had talked about potentially signing a long-term deal. Let's take a break and talk about that. And if they're, is money for him to come back next season? Could that long-term deal happen eventually? We'll chat about that next here on the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Dave, how about a word from one of today's show sponsors? Yep, today's show is brought to you by AG1 by Athletic Greens. Keeping up with proper nutrition is hard. You're busy. You're stuck at your desk. You're eating whatever you can to get you through the day. But what if you could start your day with the ultimate daily nutritional insurance? With a single scoop of AG1 and a glass of water, you can do just that. Absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of the bodies, and a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. A lot of also drink AG1, and that's why I'm a huge fan. With every serving... I, I'm setting myself up to give myself the daily nutri- nutrients and support energy, focus, clarity, and recovery. It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps just about everybody take care of their body every day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out. Welcome back into the Lockdown Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with my co-host Dave Morissuti. We're a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, audio-wise, also up on YouTube as well. We'd really appreciate it if you would uh, give this video a little thumbs up if you're enjoying the content also and subscribe to the show as well so that you can get content uh you know each and every day because the man the season's right around the corner like it's already september the summer flew by before you know it puck drop's gonna be here in in just over a month we got training camp coming up on the 22nd it's uh it's coming fast and furious buddy um and speaking of fast and furious news uh came out over the weekend about Tyler Bertuzzi and how there was apparently some interest in both sides. They were discussing a potential long-term deal in Toronto. We know that he ended up signing a, a one-year deal worth uh, $5.5 million this past offseason. But it sounds like there could be 
some interest on both sides to possibly try and get an extension done next season too, Dave. Yeah, I was, um, it was a surprise to hear that there was potential for long term because we knew that Bertuzzi settled on the one-year deal when there wasn't an offer really out there that was enticing for him. We know that I think Boston had an offer that, you know, wasn't conducive to what Bertuzzi thought he was worth. Then Boston went in a different direction. So then the Leafs came calling. We're like, well, we can offer you this. We can't offer you a long-term deal. looks like they couldn't get that done. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, the interesting part is that obviously when a player signs a one-year deal, they have to wait until January 1st if they want to sign an extension with the team. So yeah. the benefit the Leafs have here is that they can see how Bertuzzi's fitting with the team and then decide January 1 if they want to sign him. And by that point, hopefully they'll have a good idea on whether they can actually afford to have Bertuzzi here in the long fold. Yeah, and I mean, there's a few things that are going to go into that, obviously. Um, but why don't we take a look quickly at like where the Leafs cap situation is going into next season. little cap examination, if you will, after getting that Matthews extension done, which kicks in next season. Um, so we do need to keep in mind that the, the expectation is that the cap will make that big jump next year, right? Didn't happen this season, still a relatively flat cap with just a $1 million increase. But next year, it's supposed to jump up to $87 million. That's what the expectation is. So that leaves a little bit more flexibility for um, some contracts to get signed, right? Like, yes, that Matthews contract does kick in, but that's not going to take up the entire, uh, you know, the entire uh, increase. So the Leafs, as of now, have 12 one-way contracts heading into the 2024-2025 season with a projected cap hit of $45 million. That's where the Leafs sit uh, going into next season um, in terms of just like that, the, the space that they have. Uh, or $54 million, sorry. So the team will have roughly $33 million in cap space for next summer. That's where we sit right now. You got some pretty With big UFAs. salary cap going up, obviously. With the salary cap going up, right. So, yeah, $54 million, and then they'll expect it to have about $33 million in space uh, next season if it does go up, as expected, to about $87 million. Now, there are some notable UFAs also that the Leafs are going to have to sign, uh, but there are also some notable guys who, you know, they're falling off next year, which is going to make – a lot of money going to be available for this team. You look, Jake Muzzin, UFA, right? That money is going to be available for the Maple Leafs to to sign. They might not have to go into LTI. They can accrue some cap space for the first time in forever. It seems like, you know, John Klingberg's money will be available. TJ Brody is going to be a, a free agent. Yes, the Maple Leafs might want to bring some of these guys back, obviously, but this is money that they can have a little flexibility to decide what exactly they want to do Giordano's money is going to become available, right? These are some of the, the UFAs that you look up in the forward group. Yeah. William Nylander, definitely the number one guy who you're looking at right there. He is a UFA next season. And I, you, depending on what Nylander and the Leafs settle on, uh, if they settle on something that could have a lot to do with whether or not Tyler Bertuzzi gets a, a long-term extension here in Toronto. I don't think it necessarily needs to be either or though, Dave, like, 33 million. You look at the names that are are here as unrestricted free agents. It's Nylander, Bertuzzi, Max Domi, 
and Lafferty are really the 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 big players, I suppose. I don't even know if I want to put Lafferty in that group. The guy's kind of a fourth liner is what he is. I don't know if he's going to expect a, a major uh, pay bump. If if he does, he's kind of expendable and replaceable, I would say. Uh, Bobby McMahon, also a, a UFA as well. Um, Ilya Samsonov on the goaltending department. So I would say between Nylander, Bertuzzi, Samsonov, and probably TJ Brody, those would be the priority uh, UFAs to, to try and get done. I know Lilligren uh, is also an, an RFA next season, so he's going to need a contract uh, along with Nick Robertson technically. So $33 million, though, to, to get all of those players I just mentioned done and under contract does seem doable. So I don't think it's an either-or of whether or not they have to sign Nylander or Bertuzzi. I think it is possible, uh, based on where the Leafs sit, cap-wise to actually get it done where they can bring back most of most of this current group that they have and like i I think the 5.5 that bertuzzi signed probably was a little bit i wonder if it was like if that's the number roughly for a long-term deal like i don't see him making if you're talking about about a four-year deal potentially four or five-year deal i can't see him getting much higher than the 5.5 that he's earning this year right so yeah, the Nylander, Nylander uh, term will, uh, his salary will definitely factor into how they can get that done. But yeah, I, you can see where where that could potentially fit. Um, you know, Bertuzzi's 28, he'll be 29 um, when the next deal's up. So you wonder how, how, how much really he expects to get, even as a free agent, right? Like he's kind of, I don't see him getting a huge, massive deal in free agency he you know and and the least can have the benefit of trying to get him to avoid to do that in the first place right and um so i i'm gonna wait obviously we we can discuss this now but the whole thing won't be a problem really until we see him play some games and you know it'll be the eventual he's on such a a great streak at some point in the season it's like oh it's gonna cost the leafs so they're gonna want to bring him back like i'm i'm waiting I'm waiting for that story to come out because we know that's going to be happening at some point. Oh, yeah. Every goal he scores in about mid-December where he just keeps on shoveling pucks into the back of the net, we're going to come on the show and say, every goal Bertuzzi scores, add another zero to the paycheck. That's basically how it's going to go for... for he's like he's going to be like the next Zach Hyman, Michael Bunting sort of deal. Like every time he scores or something happens, people are going to just be like, oh, you know... Maybe it's maybe he's primed to go to the Edmonton Oilers. Let's just maybe we should just already preview that he's going to be going to Edmonton because Edmonton seems to always want that secondary leaf score. Hey, man. I mean, I'm sure they love a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi out there. You know, oh, yeah. he's yeah, that's that's the type of dude that Edmonton would like to bring in, uh, I would imagine. And hey, the Leafs would like to keep him around too, right? So we'll see what happens there. But uh, I, I, I think that it's you know possible. And clearly, we'll see what happens over the you know the course of the season. Um, before I guess a, a long term uh, marriage is signed, let's make sure that the you know this relationship works. I suppose makes some sense for the Leafs, and you know maybe there is a, a long term plan in the horizon for uh, for this partnership of Todd Bertuzzi and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Also of note, next summer, July one. Uh, Marner Tavares would be eligible to sign their extensions as well. So that'll kind of be uh, a big focal point next summer 
come July 1, uh, similarly to the way that Matthews and Nylander happened this summer. Marner and Tavares are going to be the same conversation next summer. So be ready for that. Tavares won't be breaking the double digits. Tavares, no. Tavares, you're going to save some cap on, on Johnny yeah. T. I mean, as the captain of the team, I would imagine they'd want to bring him back, um, depending on what that number will be. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're going to get some cap savings, I'm assuming, um, on Tavares' deal with the cap going up, actually, uh, as as the years go on. Um, I mean, we'll see. It, it is a new management group, right? And so could that have impact on Tavares' future? P- perhaps. Like, they didn't bring him into this team. They weren't, you know, right. they're not linked to him in the way that Kyle Dubas was. But I don't know. That's a conversation that we could have uh, all season and next summer, I suppose, of whether or not the Leafs uh, should try and have a a longer term marriage with JT after this contract or not. Uh, But that'll do it for us here on today's podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms. You receive daily Leafs content for myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show as well at Lockdown Leafs. Go ahead and leave a comment uh, or a like on this video if you enjoyed it. That'd be very, very appreciated. Uh, And we'll be back with another episode for you guys on Wednesday. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.